0: The following podcast is a part of
1: Radiomisfits.com
0: And now it's time for the Mister Nelson Show. This is a Nelson News Bulletin. Case dropped against pork chop attacker. Hello, I'm Mr. Nelson. A Florida woman arrested for clobbering her mate in the face with a pork chop will not be prosecuted after the victim declined to press charges, noting that the couple was planning our wedding. Uh, well, Jennifer Broussard, 48, was arrested for domestic battery in February. After she threw a frozen pork chop at Richard Nightswitz. 54. The airborne meat struck Nightswitz above his left eyebrow, causing a half-inch laceration, according to a complete affidavit. Brassard was arrested in the couple's Tampa area home, which Nightswitz fled after getting hit with the pork chop. Nicewitz eventually had second thoughts about Broussard's prosecution, telling the state attorney's office that he did not want her to face trial. In a handwritten motion, seeking the lifting of a no-contact order, Nicewitz wrote that we are planning our wedding, and she has a dog at our house she probably misses. He also termed the pork chop strike as an accident. It is unclear whether a date has been set for the couple's nuptials, or where their pork will be served at the reception. This has been a Nelson News Bulletin. You're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com.
1: Sometimes, I feel fat and unattractive. But then, I go shop at Walmart, where the average customer is at least 400 pounds. And I'm nowhere near in that ballpark, so I feel great. (laughs) Thank you, Walmart.
0: Yes, Walmart, where you can simply look around and feel better about yourself. Unless, of course, you're a regular like the sound of my voice yes you know you do and you want to hear it the best way possible so why not get yourself some headphones and accessories from tweaked audio key features include eight colors and styles mic'd and non-mic'd versions designed to sound great for music and talk noise reducing design with a lifetime warranty so head over to tweakedaudio.com and use discount code mrnelson at checkout for 33% off and free worldwide shipping that's mrnelson M-R-N-A-I-L-S-I-N. It's not case sensitive, but it is all one word. That's tweakedaudio.com. This is a Nelson News Bulletin. Couple had sex in front of police headquarters. Hello, I'm Mr. Nelson. To Florida Love. Are facing criminal charges after they were caught having slags on the sidewalk outside police headquarters in Key West. Cops say that Gary Hill and Crystal Francis had shared a pint of vodka before they began trysting in public. Cops learned about the coupling around 9pm from a female passerby who reported that a duo was poised to have sacks in front of headquarters. When a patrolman went outside to investigate, he spotted the 46-year-old Hill with his pants down having sex with Francis, who was not wearing pants or underwear. The couple, lying down on the sidewalk, were actively engaging in sexual intercourse. I'm horny, Hill explained when confronted by the officer. She was giving it up to me right then and there. Hill but also chalk up the illicit encounter as a Key West moment. Well, he probably got a point there. Hill was arrested for indecent exposure and booked into the Monroe County Jail on the misdemeanor charge. Hill, whose address is listed as Streets of Key West in jail records, is locked up on $7,500 bond. Frances was not arrested at the scene since she was severely intoxicated and was taken to a hospital. For treatment. An arrest warrant is likely in France's future. There, the poor bastard, what was he supposed to do? He lists his home as the streets of Key West, so. (laughs) Yeah. This has been a Nelson News Bulletin. You're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show, here on RadioMisfits.com. In space, no one can hear. (sighs) I stand corrected.
2: Wow, sounds like a cool outer
0: space movie. (laughs) It isn't. But fortunately, your old pal Mr. Nelson will be there to guide you through it. Yes, that's right, Cosmos' War of the Planets was Italy's answer to Star Wars, but for some reason, it just didn't catch on. Maybe it was the cheap special effects, or the below soap opera level acting, or maybe it was the fact the studio forgot to turn the damn lights on. Anyway, our sci-fi romp stars John Richardson, who once had a shot at being James Bond, but he lost out to George Lazenby. (laughs) Richardson just couldn't catch a break. I mean, it's one thing to lose out to Sean Connery or even Roger Moore. (laughs) But George Lazenby? (laughs) Warning. Due to an extreme lack of talent, bathroom humor is deployed throughout the film. Whoa, where can I pick up this goodie? <laughs> All you have to do is head over to cellfi.com nelson. That's S-E-L-L-F-Y dot slash N-A-I-L-S-I-N. Yes, it's just that simple. And you can pick up this particular sci-fi adventure for only $1.75.
2: Whoa, cheap!
0: <laughs> yes, yes it is. Next time on My Brother's Keeper.
2: Oh, man. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I seen her walk around with them cheeks jiggling out of them shorts. <laughs> it's not fair. I'm going to have to do something about that. I mean, she's asking for it. <laughs> oh, 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 man, I got to go. Oh, oh, uh, uh, oh, damn it. I oh, told you time and time uh, uh, again.
0: Uh, Get off the phone. What the hell is this?
2: It looks like a jar of apple jelly. That's right. And do you see what is mixed inside it? Uh, Oh, uh, yeah,
0: well, uh... Just answer me this, goddammit. Did you dip peanut butter on a knife in my jar of jelly?
2: Well, hell, I... You see, I, uh, it...
0: Shut up! Did you dip peanut butter in my jelly?
2: Well, I... (laughs) Yes, I did!
0: I don't see what's too hard to understand there's a right way and a wrong way but he always does it wrong I do not like peanut butter in my jelly you put the jelly on the bread then the peanut butter and then you can wipe the knife off on the bread but you don't mix the two in their jars
1: well, uh, honey, it's you're gonna eat, end up eating it together. I mean, it is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I mean, God
0: damn it, Sally! How the hell is he ever gonna learn when you keep making excuses for him like that? Damn it!
2: Oh man, I, you know, what's really bad about all this is I hate to hear them fight. You know, uh, and, and I feel it's you know it's somehow my fault. And 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 I mean, if they break up, I mean, it, it, that means. I have doubts about people's ability to love and who's going to love me.
0: (laughs) My Brother's Keeper on TLC. And now it's time for an old night-night classic here on RadioMisfits.com. In heavy Cityopolis traffic, we find our hero, night Knight behind the wheel of his amazing night cruiser. Damn Cityopolis traffic, my very future hangs in the balance, and I get stuck in something as insignificant as traffic. That miserable bitch did this to me. Me, night Knight. I knew my cause would be tough. But I never bargain for this nonsense. Now I have to break the law in order to save my own ass. I'm already in hot water with the police as it is. But I may have a possible solution in that direction. As for the flying pig, my super-duper night cruiser will have no trouble gaining access. Eh? Someone's trying to call me. It must be Smedley. It is. What is it, Smedley. Just reminded me that we're almost out of milk and butter. So since yours in town, why don't you pick us up some from the store? Dude, damn you, Smedley! Smedley and I will have to have a long talk on the serious nature of my night crusade and his lack of respect for it. And later at Cityopolis's Correctional Center for Women.
1: So you're saying this night night's gonna break you out? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a bunch
0: of hogwash. Suddenly, the night cruiser smashes through the wall of the flying pig's cell.
1: Yeah, what the hell? (gasps) Night-night, you idiot, you could have killed me.
0: Shut up and get your pink pig butt in my car. Now. Hold! oh, we will shoot. Come on, come on. And soon they're off and on their way. Well, now you're out, so we can just forget all about this little blackmail scheme of yours.
1: Forget it. I know you're loaded, and I want some of that green. So you better get busy and make wedding plans for you we- and we- yours truly.
0: Why, why, you're just a selfish, manipulating little bitch, taking advantage of a pure and decent gentleman like me. And later, in the posh apartment that exists just above, Club Night, I've. Got a troublesome girl down in the basement. Trouble? Oh, man. How many times I done told you you got to rap that rascal? What? No, n- no, 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 not that. Look, this is serious, Smedley. She plans to expose me, Smedley. My name would go down into disgrace. However, if I marry her, she'll clam up. I must be a mighty desirable man. Oh, bullshit. You just got some mighty desirable cash. Damn it, Smedley, this is serious. This could well spell the end. Of my night-night crusade. Oh, yeah? Well, then, I'm all for it. Congratulations on the wedding, man. Oh, but then, as days go by, and Smedley has to deal with the company of Suey Jones, a.k.a. the Flying Pig.
1: Yeah. Ugh. Damn it, what? Smedley! This soup is crap! Ah, Every kitchen shit, should have a restraining order on you. You know what? As soon as Lyle marries me, no, the first man. thing I'm going to no. do is what? fire your oh, sorry no. ass! Oh, shit!
0: Damn it!
2: get! No, 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 this ain't gonna work. Get, damn it, Mr. Lyle, Mr. Lyle, I can't stand that bitch no more.
0: It's okay, Smedley, I've just called the police to come pick her up. But, 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 but she'll expose you, man. Not if my new chemical works. You mean? Yes, Smedley, I've finally managed to develop my night-night amnesia gas. And later, down in the basement of Club Night.
1: Lyle, Lyle, oh, there you are, what? What are you doing in that ridiculous costume? I want you to burn all those silly suits and grow up!
0: Why don't you get a load of this? <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't remember anything. I don't remember anything either. Uh,
1: <coughs> uh, I need some air. <coughs>
0: yeah, open the door. Uh, <coughs> Where well then, did it work? It's better uh, uh, We've been overcome by some sort of gas cloud.
1: What? Yeah. Who are you people? What's going on? Why is he dressed like that?
0: Uh, never mind, miss. You come along with me. Uh, there's some gentlemen upstairs want to meet with you. And soon, Smedley delivers Suey Jones, aka the Flying Pig, to police officers, and then comes back downstairs to find a still, bewildered night. Knight. <sighs> what just happened here, Smedley? Who was that woman? You don't remember Miss Jones or the pig? what yeah don't worry about that man say why don't we just get rid of all these uh these costumes from that uh, that costume party you was at because uh eh, halloween's over you know halloween costume parties smedley these are my night night suits i can never abandon my night night crusade oh so you remember that yes of course why wouldn't i good lord smedley look at this a can it says night night amnesia gas yes i had meant to work on that it looks like I must have succeeded and accidentally exposed myself to it. I hope I didn't forget anything important. Unfortunately, uh no, he looks like he didn't. Oh, I'd better check my phone to see if there's anything I'm forgetting. Hmm, let's see. Is it, holy crap, look at this. What's that? Is that some kind of porn? In a way, Smetly. How could I forget this? That's Detectives Wetman in essence. Having an extramarital affair. Yes, that reminds me. I've got some serious business to attend to. Don't wait up, Smitley. Then later, in the break room of a Cityopolis Police Department building, we find Detectives Charles Wetwin and Sarah Essence chasing each other around a table. <laughs> Essence, I just can't keep my hands off of you. <laughs>
1: hey, so I've noticed. You bad boy. But we can't mess around here at work. We'll get caught. So get a
0: grip on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather get a grip on you. <coughs> oh, no! Night-night! <laughs> Greetings, but when... Whoops. Am I intruding? Uh, I told you we could get Would you listen? No! <laughs> Damn it, Night-night! Get out of here! <laughs> or what? You'll call in a guard? I don't think so. You don't want your fellow officers to see you and Miss Essence in your current... <coughs> position. What... Alright, it! what do you want? I want some respect. And I want cooperation from you on future cases. <laughs> what? Forget it! Oh, yeah? Well, maybe this will change your mind. Why, what's this? I don't want to look at your phone. Oh, yeah, you do. Take a gander at this. Oh, oh. oh. what? What? Oh, Oops. Sorry. Oh, my God. I forgot to take you, my gun off. you dirty old bastard! Take that! No, 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 Sarah, Sarah! He, he could ruin my marriage. And disgrace our careers. Come on. Why, you slut. I oughta, to... I ought to yeah. Well, Wetman, do we have a deal? Okay, okay, but... I, how would I even contact you? Simple. I put a spotlight on top of your building. Simply drape this crescent-shaped symbol over it. And I'll see it flash in the sky, and I'll come running to you. Yeah, but that's only going to work at night. You never do anything in the daytime, do you? You know, crime is a 24-hour business, buddy. Yes, Wetman. But I am a knight of the night. That's why I'm called night Knight. So I operate at night. Besides, I'd feel silly wearing this outfit in the broad daylight. And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> but wait a minute. Where's Boobo? Well, tune in next time to find out... in a Nelson production. The Night, Night theme song is performed by Alistair White and his lovely wife, Heather. Incidental music is courtesy of Kevin McLeod. All characters are performed by me, Douglas Nelson. Join us again, will not you? You're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com.
1: What is this? Oh. Betty, I don't know. I don't know. Wait, I know. It's Wonderall.
0: <laughs> That's right, girls. Whenever you hear that delightful sound, you know that it's the Wonderalls man with his super deluxe, form fitting, vibrating crotch pantyhose designed to make you feel good. The Surgeon General has determined that Wunderall's panels can lead to severe swamp ass causing rashes, hives, oozing boils, and may develop into foul, odorous, button and rot. Men should never wear Wunderalls as spontaneous castration may result. So don't be apparent. And now, it's time for... Perhaps, but maybe not. For over a year, from May 1918 to October 1919, the city of New Orleans was in a frenzied panic over a roaming serial killer named the Axeman. The first to succumb to the sharp blade of the Axeman were an Italian grocer named Joseph Maggio and his wife Catherine on May 23rd, 1918 as they lay sleeping in their apartment above the maggio grocery store the killer cut the couple's throats with a straight razor before bashing in their heads with an axe when law enforcement began to investigate they found the bloody clothes of the murderer as he had obviously changed into a clean set of clothes before fleeing the scene. Or, I guess he ran off naked, but then I guess someone would have seen that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, police ruled out robbery as motivation to the attacks, as money and valuables left in plain sight were not stolen by the intruder. Near the couple's home, a message written in chalk read, Mrs. Joseph Maggio will sit up tonight. Just right, Mrs. Tony. Investigators immediately questioned several people, but all were released for lack of evidence. A little more than a month later, another couple was attacked in the early morning hours of June 27th, 1918. Louis Bessemer, a grocer, another grocer, hmm, And his mistress, Harriet Lowe, lived in quarters at the back of the store. When no one opened the store the next morning, they were discovered lying in a pool of blood. Bessemer had been struck with an axe above his right temple. And Lowe was hacked over the left ear. Though badly injured, both were still alive. Once again, people were questioned, and one man arrested but they were later released. Though the crime made the newspapers, of bigger note to some, was the scandal of the mistress. After the attack, one side of Lowe's face was partially paralyzed, and on August 5th, she had surgery performed in an effort to correct it. Two days later, she died. But before she passed, she told authorities that she suspected it was Louis Bessemer who had attacked her. Bessemer was then charged with murder and served nine months in prison before being acquitted on May 1st, 1919, after a ten-minute jury deliberation. On August 5th, a third similar attack was made on a Mrs. Edward Schneider, who was eight months pregnant. As the 28-year-old lay in bed, she awoke to see a dark figure standing over her, ...and was bashed in the face repeatedly. Shortly after midnight, she was discovered by her husband, who was just returning from work. Her scalp had been cut open, and her face was completely covered in blood. But she survived the attack to give birth to a healthy baby girl two days later. One man was arrested on suspicion, but soon released, for lack of evidence... By this time, investigators began to publicly speculate that the attack was related to the previous incidents involving Bessemer and Maggio. Gee, you think? Just five days later, yet another grocer! Boy, (laughs) this guy just doesn't like grocery stores. Uh, Another grocer, a man named Joseph Romano, was attacked on August 10th. The elderly grocer lived with his two nieces, who awoke to the sound of a commotion in the adjoining room where their uncle resided. The girls entered Romano's room to find that he had taken a serious blow to his head and saw the assailant was fleeing. The grocer, though seriously injured, was able to walk to the ambulance once it arrived, but he died two days later due to the severe head trauma. The girls were able to provide a brief description of the killer. A dark-skinned, heavy-set man who wore a dark suit and slouched hat. Other clues of the crime were similar to the previous ones, such as the scenes were often ransacked but nothing was ever stolen, that the killer used the owner's hatchets and blades, the panels of doors and windows were chiseled away to gain injury, and that the majority of the victims were Italian. Yet another in a series of murders and assaults by the Axeman created sweeping fear in the city. Police were inundated with reports from citizens claiming to have seen an Axeman lurking neighborhoods. Axes, chisels found in backyards and doors and windows that appeared to have been tampered with. People began to carry loaded shotguns and family members took turns watching over their families at night. One report alleged that the Axeman was masquerading as a woman. Another, that he had been seen leaping over a back fence. The people were afraid, determined to protect themselves, and bordered on panic. But perhaps the heat generated by that terror was somehow transferred to the Axeman as the killings and assaults stopped as quickly as they had started. Over the months, the fear waned. And the neighborhoods returned to normal until March 10th, 1919, when the Axeman struck again. Charles Cordemelia was an immigrant and grocer who lived with his wife Rosie and two year old daughter Mary in the town of Gretna, just across the Mississippi River from New Orleans. When screams were heard from the Cordemelia residence in the early morning hours, neighboring grocer lorlando giordano rushed across the street to investigate there he found the three had been attacked rosie had awakened to find her husband struggling with a large man wielding an axe when her husband fell to the floor the assailant turned on her as she held her daughter and begged for their lives undaunted the killer slammed the axe down on both mother and daughter When the neighbor arrived, Charles lay in a pool of blood on the floor as Rosie stood in the doorway with a serious head wound, clutching her deceased daughter. The couple was rushed to the hospital where both were treated for skull fractures. Charles was released two days later while his wife remained in the care of doctors. Upon gaining full consciousness... Rosie stated that the attack was made by neighboring grocer L'Orlando Giordano and his 18-year-old son Frank. Though L'Orlando, a 69-year-old man, was in poor health to have committed the crimes and Frank Giordano was too big to have fit through the panel in the back door, the pair were arrested. Though Charles Cordemelia denied his wife's claims, the Giordanos were charged with the murders and would later be found guilty. Frank was sentenced to hang and his father to life in prison. After the trial, Charles divorced his wife. About a year later, Rosie Cordomilla reversed her claim, stating that she had falsely accused the two out of jealousy and spite. With her claim being the only evidence against the Jordanos, they were released from jail shortly thereafter. Following the Cordomilla murders, New Orleans was once again filled with terror. And began to arm themselves. The police stated that they believed all of the crimes to have been committed by the same man, a bloodthirsty maniac filled with a passion for human slaughter. Then a new twist came upon the scene when the Times-Picayune newspaper received a taunting letter on March 14th, 1919 that promised another attack. Hell, March 13, 1919, esteemed mortal, they have never caught me, and they never will.
2: They have never seen me,
0: for I am invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orlinians and your foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall have no clue except my bloody axe be smeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty Francis Joseph etc but tell them to beware let them not try to discover what I am for it was better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. I don't think there is any need of such a warning for I feel sure the police will always dodge me as they have in the past They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orlinians think of me as a most horrible murderer. Which I am. But I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens. For I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at 1215 Earthly Time on next Tuesday night, March 19, 1919, I am going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music. And I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people, who do not jazz it on Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou will publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of Fancy. The Axe Man. Per the killer's statement that no one listening to jazz on March 19 would get the axe, the music flowed from homes across much of the city. Dance halls were filled to capacity, and professional and amateur bands played jazz at parties at hundreds of houses around town. And no one was killed. For several weeks, all was quiet, but people still lived in fear. On August 10th, 1919, another grocer named Steve Boko was attacked in his bedroom as he slept. Boko awoke during the night to find a dark figure looming over his bed. Suffering from a blow from an axe, he survived upon get- regaining consciousness. He ran to the home of his neighbor, Frank Denusa, where he lost consciousness and collapsed. He was then treated for his injuries, but was unable to remember the details of the attack. Like others who had been assailed by the axman, nothing was taken from his home, and a panel on the back door of the home had been chiseled away. On September 2nd, a local druggist named William Carson escaped the lethal axman when he fired several shots at an intruder who had broken into his home. The killer left a broken door and an axe behind. On September 3rd, 1919, a young girl named Sarah Lawman was attacked with an axe while she slept in her locked and shuttered home. When neighbors came to check on the young woman who had lived alone, they discovered her lying unconscious on her bed, suffering from a severe head injury and missing several teeth. Though she suffered from a brain concussion, she recovered a bloody axe was discovered on the front lawn of the building. Once again, New Orleans was in a state of hysteria, but nothing more would be heard from the Axeman for nearly two months. The last attack came on October twenty-seventh, 1919, when grocer Mike Pepitone was slain. That night, his wife heard a noise and arrived at the door of the bedroom just as a large, axe-wielding man was fleeing the scene, Pepitone. ...had been struck in the head... ...and was covered in his own blood. His murder left his wife... ...and six children behind. Mrs. Pepitone, the mother of six children... ...was unable to describe... ...any characteristics of the killer. The usual clues... ...had been left behind. The authorities continued to work on the case... ...but it would be in vain. Pepitone's murder... ...was the last known... ...of the Axeman Killer. He was never seen are heard from in New Orleans again. So was the Axeman of New Orleans a deranged lunatic who loved jazz but hated Italian grocery store owners, or was he indeed a demonic creature from the netherworld who may once again return to our earthly plane to stalk the streets? of New Orleans perhaps but maybe not this is a Nelson news bulletin woman busted after dancing naked at Utah strip Ball. hello I'm mr. Nelson as she accused her boyfriend of cheating, a 24-year-old woman stripped off her clothes and began dancing and shouting in the parking lot of a busy Utah shopping center. Responding to a call about a female naked and fighting a male, a cop in Sandy, a city 18 miles south of Salt Lake City, encountered Caitlin Adderley in a lot at the Commons at South Town. A probable cause affidavit indicates that Adderley disrobed outside of a Verizon store and adjacent to a nothing-but-cakes outlet. Adderley, who was dressed when a cop arrived, reportedly said she took off her clothes because her boyfriend doesn't want her anymore. Her beau said that Adderley got nude as she accused him of cheating. A witness who lodged the complaint with police said she spotted Adderley naked in public, dancing, shouting, and grabbing at a male. The witness, who was accompanied by her two-year-old child, said the minor also viewed Adderley's display, which, the affidavit reports, took place in a busy public area with constant vehicle and pedestrian traffic. Arrested for disorderly conduct and lewdness involving a child, Adelaide was booked into the Salt Lake County Jail. Well, she sure showed them. This has been a Nelson News Bulletin. The views and opinions expressed during the Mr. Nelson show do not necessarily reflect those held by RadioMissions.com. So, any complaints and or comments should be sent to at Mr. Nelson on Twitter, where they will be promptly ignored and or blocked.